Welcome back to Don't Fear the Podcast, presented by the Scare Guys and hosted on that Hashtag Show YouTube channel, where we are very happy to be. It's fun to be scared here, and we love these types of interviews. I'm your co-host, Jim Fry, joined by the wonderful, talented, effervescent, ever-sparkling personality of Ben Lever. Welcome, Ben. Hey, everybody. It's old buddy Ben. Nice to see you. I'm excited to be here talking to Brandon Christensen about Z. So stoked. And again, thank you to our uh, our sponsor here on that hashtag show, Neft Vodka, reminding you to always drink responsibly. That's right. That's right. In the horror film Z, when Beth's son, Beth, who is played by Keegan Connor Tracy in a wonderful performance, she bring, the son brings home an imaginary friend named Z. She becomes concerned that he is falling too deep into a world of make-believe. This is not Beetlejuice, my friends. He starts to display extremely destructive behavior, blaming Z for all of his actions. But after he gets kicked out of school, Beth is forced to find a solution. She medicates her son, making him unable to see his imaginary companion. But this is a mistake, perhaps, because now Beth sees Z, and he wants to be her friend, too. And we can tell you, he's not the friendliest of dudes. This episode of don't fear the podcast we are talking with the director of z brandon christensen brandon welcome to the show thank you for having me we are so glad to have you brandon is a director writer and special effects wizard in addition to z he also directed the super creepy stillborn about a mother who loses one of her newborn twins during birth only to suspect that a demon has come to terrorize them certainly have a type huh Tearful, <laughs> tearful stuff, Brandon. So, um, when's your Christmas movie coming out, Brandon? <laughs> I know I'm working with Lifetime right now on the next one. It'll be great. Yeah. Well, Hallmark has a whole brand for this. Anyway, Z will be released on September 1st, 2020, on video on demand, digital HD, DVD, and Blu-ray. It first found its home on Shutter. So, Brandon, where did you get this idea for Z? Uh, after Stillborn, the first film I did, uh, I was kind of uh, th- trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And Stillborn came from uh, my wife and I. We had just left the baby phase with my second kid. So we had a lot of, you know, creepy things that we'd experienced while being, you know, have, having that baby. And so uh, the, the most recent accomplishment, I guess, if you can call it that, uh, that we had with our kids was my oldest had just started kindergarten. And so it was kind of the first time that we were letting him out into the world and spending the day with other people, teaching him things. You know, he was making friends, all that stuff. And uh, he would come home every day and he would say, you know, hey, mom, dad, look, at I got this. I, mar- I made this. I learned this. And it just sort of led to my wife and I having a conversation like, like, what if what if what he brought home wasn't some stupid macaroni art? It was, you know, a demonic entity, you know. <laughs> and so that was kind of the impetus for the whole idea. And my wife and I just sort of explored this idea because I really I was attracted to the uh, to doing like a creepy kid movie you know the omen was kind of a a big inspiration on just that kind of family uh type of film and uh so we kept talking about what what could he bring home what could he bring home and my wife threw out the idea of an imaginary friend and it just kind of was a light bulb moment for us and we just were like oh and then we just started rattling off ideas and throwing ideas out and and we kind of uh you know the end of that night when we were talking we pretty much had come up with the basic idea of z jeez what you think? No, this, this is a super creepy movie, and I love it. And one thing I got to say, when we do the Scare Guy podcast, <clears throat> don't fear the podcast as it's now known, which I think is a great a great name. Mm-hmm. Props to Jim for that. Um, you know, a lot of times we'll be like, we're going to be reviewing this horror movie. Here's a screener. And I'm like, all right, 
how many whiskeys is it going to take me to get through this one? Are you sponsored by vodka? I know, right? Yeah. How many vodkas? How many <laughs> vodkas is it going to take me to get through this one? And yeah. uh, so uh, you never know just because horror is such a widespread genre and there's so many people making it. And it's so great that even when it's bad, it's great. Mm-hmm. But I watched this movie and I loved it. So if I can gush for a minute. Um, Please. I, if if you are a fan, first of all, the performances, Keegan Connor Tracy and this kid, Jet Klein, the kid's performance is amazing. We already knew Keegan Connor Tracy is is awesome from her past work. But the the where'd you find this kid, Jet? Uh, so Jet was like a super lucky situation where uh, when we first started the casting process, I mean, when we were writing the film, we were just like, how much can we write for this kid? Because you're dealing with an eight year old, which is already a nightmare to work with as a director. And so it's like, how much pressure can we put on a kid to deliver a performance that doesn't make the movie feel like crap? So that was all the discussions leading into pre-production. And so when we put uh, when we started to cast the film, we put out just like a basic general thing in Calgary where we were shooting on Facebook, just being like these are the parts that we're looking for you never know just like to sort of get a sense of who's there and we um we spent uh you know we put up this casting thing and literally 30 minutes later jet's mom destiny wrote us an email saying hey this is my son jet i want to send him in for the the part of josh and z and you know it's just like you don't expect anything from that and so we take a look at his headshot cute kid you know they're all cute kids but then we looked at his resume and we're just like we're like who the hell is this kid you know he was in skyscraper with uh the, with dwayne johnson he's in you know the boy he's the boy like that they based the look of the kid on so it's oh, wow. uh yeah he's 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 only used in like archival photos and stuff in the end uh, in the film itself but i mean if you look at the boy and you look at jet it's pretty clear that he it's based oh, yeah. on him but uh yeah i mean he was you know it goes all the way to his when he was a baby he was a gerber baby so this kid's been on set more than i have and i'm 35 oh, wow. so um yeah this kid's it, got 24 credits on imdb yeah it's, cra- <laughs> it's crazy seven yeah. years ago so it's just like immediately apparent where it's like I think we have the kid like the, literally the thing we were most worried about became the easiest thing we could have possibly, you know, had fall, happened to us. So, yeah, we got super lucky with that. And and it, and it even translated on set because, you know, even though it's still a kid actor, you're 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 kind of like everybody. Let's treat this kid with kid gloves. Let's you know, we got to be nice. We got to be respectful, uh, all this stuff. And then he came and it was just like immediately apparent that he's not a child actor. He's just an actor. You know, he was just a professional kid, knew what he was doing, could take notes. It was you know, very little babysitting except for when it got to like midnight and he started turning crazy. But, uh, <laughs> so that, that was when like the actual kid side of jet came out. But, uh, other than that, he was, it was, it was great. I can't complain at all. Yeah. With but children, I, I believe you're not supposed to feed them after midnight or get them wet. So I think that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, the one thing that I would say as a, a, an actor and a filmmaker myself and a fan of, of horror movies, this this got me so excited, particularly because I, I really admire the amount of, uh, without being spoilery, the amount of restraint that yeah. you showed in showing things, mm-hmm. making it more creepy. Uh, you know, the the anxiety of the film is is uh, you know the worst part, quote unquote, of watching it, or the best part. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really admired that. I just wanted to give you kudos on the amount of restraint you showed. Um, I won't say anything else on air. I can, I can say other stuff to you after we, uh, stop recording, but sure. um, the, the key is to not have any money to, so you can't right. show anything. <laughs> That's the key. That, 
Yeah. Isn't that always the case? Like yeah. the best ones are, are the ones where you don't have any money and you have to kind of come up with, uh, come up with it. Now that was, were all the special effects practical? I, I imagine they were. Uh, yeah. I mean, we had a real actor playing Z, a tall skinny dude that, uh, we cast for him just to, cause he was, uh, you know, it's just tall, skinny as uh, kind of a home run in horror. So that, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's an easy one. And then he had a big, uh, a prosthetic on his face like of a big smile mm -hmm. and then uh in post we did change his face a little bit like we made his forehead bigger his eyes a little smaller and his mouth a bit bigger and stuff like that just to to make it a little bit more off-putting but uh, right. yeah he was all there and then obviously the fire stuff was all cg yeah, as well right yeah wherever you know if that works or doesn't and Brandon, you're you have quite a bit of experience with with special effects yourself. So this is like you knew exactly how to because a lot of times directors they they really have to know how to work with special effects and how, but you that that was a specialty of yours, right? Yeah, I mean it's something that I've gotten into more even since Z. Like I've I've done some films this year uh, as well, which has been pretty fun. But yeah, it's definitely part of like a tool that I have in my belt that I can kind of rely on when we're filming. Um, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad. Like you know you'll see something on set that you can you can move everybody and make everybody move and take five to ten minutes to fix there or you can fix it in five hours in post so i, I tend to right. lean on that because uh, right. their time is more expensive than my time when i'm working at my you know working alone unfortunately but yeah. uh yeah i mean with the fire situation uh it was one of those things that you just you don't know how that's going to work and then you shoot it and you know i i did my best kind of thing <laughs> and I, I had to learn it for it very quickly because we had someone else on board doing it and it just wasn't working right so i kind of did it in the zero hour to try and make it work and it's it's serviceable it's spoken <laughs> like a true filmmaker <laughs> no, let's talk about this just for a second you talk about the limited budget it didn't seem like a film with a super limited budget i'm glad you made it the way you did but it had a very nice look to it very slick very beautiful like um, I was watching it yesterday and it just felt like, like, wow, I want to live in this house. This yeah. and everything. But can you talk one thing I don't think was special effects or CGI, the train. Is that true? That was real. Yeah. So we uh, the, the first drafts of the script, it was supposed to be like in an urban setting, a very downtown kind of train. And the and in Calgary, where we shot, the only real train that goes through downtown is like the uh, the LRT. It's kind of the public transit. Mm -hmm. And we weren't able to control that. So uh, one of our producers, Chris Ball, he drove around the city and found this stretch of I think it was like 27 kilometers of a private track that this guy owns. And he rents out for parties and stuff like that. Like it's all dining carts and uh, he does like the uh what's that christmas train the the polar the express polar express yeah he does that during the winter and stuff rents out tickets and you know all, all that stuff so he found this guy and it was you know it's super expensive so we only had two hours with the train operating mm -hmm. and so it was one of those situations where you're just like the pre-production is so important there because we had x amount of shots that we could get because we didn't know i mean it has to go down the track stop back up and then do it again and again and you know we, we thought maybe we had like three or four passes so we we're like we have to get this in three or four passes so we had like four or five cameras there a drone uh different cameras just in case and uh, fortunately the process of going forward and back was a lot quicker so we ended up having like 12 runs but wow. but yeah i mean timing you know there's the one the money shot which is when sarah canning's character runs up and she's sees it that we had to do i think it was like four or five different takes so if we were limited like that we would have been screwed because it was one of the later takes because we just had to time it right to push in on her kind of pan around her and then reveal it you know rack focus to the train rack focus her it's very technical and right. uh 
yeah, so we got lucky being able to do that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that was definitely the hardest day of the shoot just because we had such a limited amount of time to do so much. And uh, it's just, it's, you know, it's always scary when you're working with huge machinery like that. Yeah. There's a shot looking like straight down the tracks with the Joshua character in the foreground and the train coming up. Was that a forced perspective? Cause it looked like that train was bearing down on him. And it's uh, not really seen, but it's pretty right. It's, it's that's pretty intense. Yeah. yeah. That's three different plates. So we shot the kid on the, like we, we put the camera there when the, the train was backing up. And so we filmed the train going backwards and then uh, we left the, you know, we we let the train stay parked, and then we had Jet, the kid, come in through a green screen behind him, and he did the actions there. And then we got rid of him, and then we had uh, Sarah Canning running along the side as well. And then in VFX, we just kind of stitched them all together, nice. and it, it 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 works well enough again. <laughs> no, I thought it looked great. Yeah. Cool. yeah. And um, let me ask you a question: the 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 film, I guess, you wouldn't describe it as like um. It's not like it's not slasher. It's not mm -hmm. it's not even it's it's kind of in the realm of like a monster movie, kind of. Mm -hmm. But it's more psychological thriller. And can you if if you were to describe this film, what is it like? This film is kind of like what kind of film? So our viewers who have not yet seen it kind of can get a feel for what we're talking about. Um, I mean, I think at its core, it is definitely a horror film because it yeah. is, you know, it is made to scare. But I think there is a lot of dramatic elements in it with the family history and all the trauma that, it, you know, it kind of goes and dives into. But, um, you know, I think just it's it's definitely like a psychological thriller if you had to put, you know, a marker on it, which uh, which I guess you do. But, um, you know, because it, it's definitely playing with expectations and making you and the, the characters in the film question their reality kind of situation. Mm -hmm. So. Um, but it uses that, you know, it uses this idea of this monster movie to allow it to kind of explore some deeper themes like the, the you know, suffering from grief and trauma from your childhood and stuff like that and dealing with, you know, dealing with the, the things in your closet and all that stuff. So, I mean, it, horror is so great because it isn't just one thing. You know, it is so vast and varied and the community of horror fans, they're very open to watching pretty much all of it. Like uh, yeah. there's not many horror snobs where there is like in other genres, like there's comedy snobs, like, Oh, that's not funny. But like, mm -hmm. that's not, you know, they, there's a lot of that in different genres. Whereas I think horror is super welcoming. So it's, especially for first time, second time filmmakers, it's really good to play in that space because um, there's just so much enthusiasm for these kinds of films. Are you, are you trying to say that horror fans will watch just about anything? Cause that's Terror, they, they have a very low standards. <laughs> I think. Yeah. <laughs> I fully agree. But just to follow up on the question, um, it, it is very psychological and I would kind of compare it in like towards like a hereditary sort of feeling of a film. Um, the one thing that was interesting while I was watching it, and I, I don't think this, you know, the, the deal, the issues with the mom and the son and, and the, is the, Z and mental illness, perhaps. Who knows? Like, would were you ever thinking about like Munchausen by proxy as 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 for perhaps like a, an underlying thing? I, I don't I don't know. I, it just kind of felt like wow, this is kind of a, a deep a deep right. discussion. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of themes that we wanted to explore with this because, I mean, you could make a film about a monster like this that's terrorizing a family and then, you know, you save the day and it's it's much more simple. But uh, the biggest conversations and the biggest thing that Colin Minahan brought when he came on to the, you know, the second and further drafts was sort of 
how do we make Z matter? Like, why is it so important that it is there for this particular family? It's not just a random event, you know? There is a purpose for it. There's a reason why it's happening. And I think that's why, to me anyway, Z is, uh, you know, it, it hits on deeper levels because it isn't just happenstance. It isn't just random. It It's happening to this family for a reason. And uh, there's things that happened in the past with this, with uh, Beth, that uh, she's she hasn't really taken the time to properly go through yet, and so she's unfortunately dealing with it much later. And it's take it's sort of deformed, and it's it's gotten darker and more twisted as time has passed. So um, yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of nice because there's it's it's vague enough where you can apply your own personal experience to it i mean someone can watch this as a supernatural demon yeah. movie and they'll be hopefully somewhat satisfied uh and then but someone might take in like oh you know viewing it through the, the lens of men mental illness and they'll be like you know i might have experienced something like this where i've dealt with someone that's kind of slowly lost their you know grip like perhaps like alzheimer's or something like that um and then there's also people that might watch it that maybe you know experienced some trauma when they were a kid or they they suffered from some sort of abuse when they were a kid and they're they're able to view it through that and it kind of gives the story more weight to those people and i think that's important to to not really put too much uh too much uh concrete evidence into one part of the story just because right. then you kind of eliminate those so if you keep it kind of open-ended a little bit it allows the audience to sort of put themselves into it, which I think is pretty powerful. Yeah. And I think that was what was so much fun about this movie. I kind of, I was trying to, I was walking the dog right before the podcast and I was trying to think what would the genre be for this? And I came up with psycho supernatural, like nice. psychological meets supernatural thriller. That's cool. And, and again, with the amount of restraint that you showed as a director, it would have been very easy to, I'm trying to be as vague as possible, kind of go for the jugular and some stuff. Mm -hmm. And you you didn't, you took the time to really build the anxiety and the anticipation and, and, and the, the whole first act is, is very much just a slow build. And even when it kind of takes a left turn in the third act, I think it's the third act. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it gets real wild. I'm, I'm questioning, you know, is this real or is this, is this not, is this just mental? Or, and then I'm like, but no, but the other thing that was real, but mm -hmm. then, but then was yeah, well, yeah, it was, but was it, <laughs> you know, like, and uh, so that was uh, really enjoyable to, uh, to just kind of have that experience. And, and again, for like an independent horror film that I didn't really know much about before I saw the trailer and watched the screener. Fantastic. You know, cool. uh, our sloppy plot holes made sense to you. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned that your you and your wife kind of came up with this idea together, uh, kind of based on after sending your kid to kindergarten, that sort of thing. Does does your wife work with you, or do you just kind of bounce ideas off of her? Is she involved in the inter entertainment industry, or is she does she do something else? She's not. Um, I mean, she's super creative and everything. She's but the the one the biggest benefit that she has is that she's terrified of everything. So <laughs> so like she's she's just like a ball of anxiety at all times. So she's a great person to bounce ideas off being like, OK, here's the setup. We're on a play date and there's kids playing upstairs. What's the worst thing that could happen? You know, yeah. And then you just start writing down, okay, oh, wow, that's terrible. Oh, wow, you think that? You know, you're just like, yeah. you kind of go down that train. And so it's it's fun to be able to pick out those moments and just, she's 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 really good at coming up with the worst situation possible, <laughs> like the worst outcomes possible in any banal environment. So she's really great at that. 
It's called chess brain. You think uh, three moves ahead, but anxiety chess brain thinks three moves ahead to the worst possible outcome. Yeah, for sure. That's her. That's her in a nutshell. <laughs> you know, one of the characters that I um, really enjoyed was the sister character, actually. Mm-hmm. And and again, without giving too much away, I I thought that she almost of any character in the story had the most complete journey of a character, and because she was such a mess. Mm-hmm. But boy, she really had to pull through in some of these situations. And that was, I, I love the way you did that. So I, I, I was, did you, like when you guys were writing the script, like um, each character had, you, you tracked where their character was going. Can you talk about like how their characters were interweaving and like what the personal journeys were for these characters? Um, I mean, one thing that was really important to me was just making sure that her family life, Beth's, re- not her, you know, her husband and her kids, but her, her, her actual family, they were just kind of as disconnected as possible because something happened when they were a kid that they never had that hallmark type of childhood. Like something, you know, there was something that happened when she was Jets or Josh's age that kind of destroyed them as a family. And so now they're, she as a family is being tested in the same way that she was as a kid. And it, it's basically, how is this going to end up? And, you know, of course it ends up pretty badly for everyone but but with jenna's character I, I think she was yeah she's super interesting to me just because she's someone that is kind of disconnected she lives out in the you know in the middle of nowhere she's just she doesn't want to see her mom she doesn't want to see her dead mom she doesn't want to you know she just wants nothing to do with this family but still when you know when tragedy happens to this family she is still there to to pick up the pieces and she becomes you know she she's able to get a lot of strength that she probably didn't know she had and i think mm-hmm. that that's kind of a, a a theme for for everyone in life i mean like everyone unfortunately is going to have a tragedy that they go through at some point in their life you know mm-hmm. And it's a situation that if you were to tell them, you know, a week in advance, like, hey, someone in your family is going to die and, you know, you're just going to have to deal with it. They would be like, oh, I wouldn't be able to. I would never be able to deal with this situation that, you know, you're saying. But then all of a sudden, boom, you get that phone call in the middle of the night and you have to just put up or shut up. You know, that that's it's a huge test of character. And and luckily for Jenna, she was able to kind of find that strength. And I think a lot of people like, uh, you know, people I know, people I'm close with, I've seen it happen where they have to just find that strength within them. And uh and that's, I think that's super powerful. And I think that's, you know, uh, that's like the most important theme of the story for me is just like uh, dealing with crisis uh, and just how, how you deal with it essentially. And, you know, I think Jenna does a good job because she is able to put her shit together to mm-hmm. become kind of the centerpiece of the family. And did I pick up a, a just a low key kind of throwaway line that Jenna's a, a, a queer character? Uh, yeah, it's, it is definitely a throwaway line. Um, but we, we were going to explore that more, um, like in the first draft, there was someone that they were seeing and it just sort of became, you know, it's all about simplification when you're doing an indie, you're just like, let's, what, what can we get rid of? And so it ended up just being kind of a throwaway line that may or may not, you know, land with someone. Um, it doesn't really ultimately matter to the script, but it just Mm -hmm. sort of normalizes something that is being normalized a lot now. So I think, uh, it's just sort of, it's there. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I picked up on that. I just, I appreciated it. So I wanted to cool. <laughs> bring I, that up. One of the, um, again, I it's so weird. I have to say this before I, every question, I am not going to ruin this scene, but that said, one of the most affecting and jarring scenes was the, uh, the staircase scene. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. I rewound <laughs> it. I was like, did I just see that? Can you talk a little bit about how 
what's your idea of what you wanted to to show the audience to scare? Like, how did you dissect horror scenes in this? Because you that wasn't the only one. That was a big one. Right. But the, the closet scene. The different scenes were just like. What's your idea of what, like, how you get your audience scared? Um, I think, I mean, it's definitely a lot of gut feelings. Like, what do you think would scare you as a per, as a viewer? Because you know, I love horror. I love to watch horror. I kind of understand when I'm watching a film what they're trying to do and what they're trying to set up. So there is a lot of that, just sort of thinking, trying to stay ahead of the audience and be like, what might they expect here, and what can we do to subvert that? That's definitely part of it. I mean, I think with. Um, with the stair scare scene, uh, there is a lot of setup with it. Like at the very beginning, you have Chandra West kind of, uh, she doesn't really want him to go play with her kid, but the conversation and the audience's attention diverts into, you know, a pretty deep conversation between these two characters that haven't talked. So even though we've set up this thing that's going on in the back of this character's mind, she's sort of let her guard down. And, you know, if you're a parent, you know, never to let your guard down. And so when she finally does let her guard down and she's accepting this apology and everything, the worst kind of possible situation happens. So I think, I think a lot of it is just sort of, um, it's it's like it's like a joke essentially you set up a punchline at the beginning and then you work your way through the story and then you you land the punchline and and luckily that one lands with a pretty gross thud but uh it's uh yeah that was that was a fun one to shoot and it was actually different in the script phase those are not funny jokes (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know i think comedy and horror are the most similar genres because of that like it's a lot of setup punchline setup punchline and horror is very similar like you can do a jump scare all day just something that pops up but and it might get a jolt but it's not going to be as effective as something that you go ah that son of a bitch they set me up you know that kind of feeling which is really you know fun and horror but um yeah that scene was it, it the location that we found for where it happened wasn't what we wrote it was supposed to be like uh you were supposed to see it happen more yeah. because but we found this house that had this great banister that went all the way from the top to the bottom and it was just like instead of finding somewhere else we just went it was kind of a pivot moment where we're like okay let's do this instead and we went with it and it ended up being probably a more effective scene because of it which was yeah. kind of cool yeah i agree i thought the 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 setup of it and just my I was watching it and my wife walked into the room about 10 seconds before it happened <laughs> and I had no idea it was coming. This was on my first watch and uh, we're watching it. And then all of a sudden we were like, Oh no. Scream <laughs> <laughs> some expletives and uh, right. Yeah, it was uh no, it was good. It was good. Cause it, it wasn't, it was a jump scare, but it wasn't a jump scare. Right. So there was so much of an investment, like you said, a setup for the punchline. Right. Um, that it, uh, I don't know without, without giving any more away. It was, um, yeah, I, I really liked that. Uh, Brandon, um, we're running out of time on the yeah. podcast today, but, uh, we, I know Jim had some questions written down. I want to ask one of them. Well, uh, what's, what's coming up next for you? Anything on the horizon? Yeah, I was, I was supposed to be filming uh, my next film in May, but the COVID thing happened and pushed it back. So I'm actually, uh, I think October 5th, we start shooting that. And okay. it's, it's kind of a, a new thing for me. I, I'm excited to play with uh, this new kind of play playground because there's no, there's no children, which is exciting. And there's no, there's no moms and there's no demons. So it's, it's still horror, but it's, it's totally a different part of that, you know, different subset of the horror genre. So I, I it's, 
it's more like the the, the people are the monsters and uh so mm-hmm. that'll be that'll be a lot of fun it's it's super small it's like the smallest film i've ever done uh budget wise and crew wise and cast wise uh so yeah it's gonna be it, it'll be cool by you know end of october we'll have it in the can and uh we'll see what happens all right brenda remind us where we can see z uh, right now, you can see it on Shutter, which is what they they had the the rights to the streaming, and it came out on Mother's Day, which was awesome. <laughs> um, and then on September Happy Mother's 4th, Day, <laughs> yeah, that was great. And then uh, September first, it comes out on iTunes and DVD and a uh, Blu-ray. Uh, I will say that the iTunes has all the special features that I made for it, and the Blu-ray does not. So I would uh, so the 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 iTunes is probably the best one to have, and there is a a, a a little breakdown on the stair scare that we made. That's just sort of how it came to be, which is fun. That's awesome. And can you tease real quick the 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 extras that we might be able to get from that? Uh, there's an audio commentary, which I did for the first time, which was, uh, it's a very strange situation to talk to yourself for an hour and a half. Uh, <laughs> so I have no idea how that went. It was kind of a, it's kind of a blur. Um, there's a, a bunch of just smaller vignettes, like about specific things like working with a kid. Uh, there's one about how we shot the train stuff. There's one about the stair scare. Then there's a more general overview, like an eight minute behind the scenes thing that I put together with cast interviews and stuff like that. Uh, Brittany Allen, who did the score of the film, she also did the charcoal drawing. She, oh, wow. put, she, she put together like a behind the scenes of the score and just sort of why and how she, she built that. And that's really fun. And then there's a, there's a VFX reel, which shows kind of the befores and afters of certain scenes in the film and, uh, a kind of a, an incredibly pointless gag reel. thank you for coming on the show today um if anybody wants to follow you and find out what you're up to next where can they find you online uh you can find me on instagram at the brandon christensen all one word same spelling as on the screen there uh and that's pretty much where i do all my social media stuff all right ben hey everybody my name is ben cleaver (laughs) Uh, you can find me online at B-E-N-K-L-I-E-W-E-R. It's it's right here on your screen. Uh, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I like interacting with people, so I'm going to jump out there. And remember, uh, why I'm drinking out of this red cup? Well, it's because whenever Ben Cleaver shows up, it's always a party. That's right, and it's afternoon, so don't judge. <laughs> and, and you can find me on Twitter at Jim Fry LA on Instagram at James D. Fry. One of these days, I'll get those both saying the same thing but somebody else has these names else anyways Brandon thank you for coming on I cannot wait to see to um, share this Pete my um, somebody at work has been telling me you got to see this movie for a while now and I was like oh I'll see it eventually I am really glad I did I tell you what I can't wait to see what you do next awesome follow us here on the scare guy and please subscribe to the podcast here on that hashtag show YouTube channel we'll see you guys soon bye bye Mm -hmm.